Paul Sharplin. Johnny Katz. <laughs> how are you, buddy? Very good, mate. How you going? Uh, yeah, very good. Excellent. Um, I'm all right. I had a... Uh, uh, d- how do you sleep at night? Do you sleep all right at night? Oh. I've got this fucking sleep apnea issue. No, I don't. I, I have an age issue where I have to wake up and do a piss all the fucking time. When did that start? Because I'm starting to... I, if I have more than three beers after 8 p.m., I'm fucked. Yeah, yeah. I'll wake up at 3, 4 in the morning for a big piss. Yep. I'm like every... Since my operation, it's got much worse. I used to be able to, like, sleep from 11 till 4 without any problem. And I get up at 4 to go to work, so it wasn't a huge drama. I get up, have a piss, go to work sort of thing. But since since I've uh, had some surgery done in that region, I can't last any more than two hours now. Every two hours you've got to piss? Basically, which is a pain in the ass when it comes to trying to get some sleep. So you won't be watching any Tarantino movies in the cinema? Oh, I, I, I can hold on if I have yeah. to, you know, if I really, really have to. But I don't think it's healthy. No. You know, it's, it's not. But, but that's life. Well, what, what, what can you fucking do? I know. This podcast you know? is all about what I have to look forward to in the next <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> Go, baby, well, maybe 20 years. How 20, old are you? I'm 45. 45. I don't okay, think I'm yeah. far away from you. How, no, no, no. How old are you? 58. Yeah, so that's not far. No. Your that's hair's nothing. like 40. Oh, my hair's perfect. Perfect. Don't worry about that. What a strong, beautiful head of hair. I, I, I've <laughs> been complimented on my head of hair a I, few times. I love it. There's a few bald comedians around, and so I, I make sure I get in Rub face. it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So um, uh, I wanted to talk to you about, yeah, before you had surgery, you jumped the gun. I wanted to talk to you about that because okay, yeah. uh, if it's common knowledge. It I, is? Yeah, I, I I'd like to talk about that if that's okay yeah, with no you. Yeah, no problems at all. Um, now, did you get cancer? Is that happen? Or did you develop a tumor on your kidney? If I heard correctly, I do apologize if I'm wrong. No, don't don't apologize. It's fine. I I, I wasn't out there promoting. Hey, look at me! I've got yeah. cancer. Fucking no, whatever. of course not. That's not you. But, but, Everyone but, who but, knows you knows you're the salt of the earth. <laughs> that's probably the wrong word for kidney. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it it was cancer. Yep. It was a cancerous tumour in, in the ureter, which is the tube between the kidney and the bladder. Okay. Okay, but it's part of the kidney. You can't have one without the other. Right, so, so is the kidney a filter? The kidney is a filter, yeah. Okay, so it filters fluid and sends the waste down the, yep. that ureter, tube yep. where you develop the tumour. Yep. Right. Um, how does that manifest itself? Like, Do you, do you have trouble sleeping? Well, um, it, and then do you have a pain? Well, it was a pain, and it came really suddenly. I was—I had no no idea that this was a situation, and I was at Gorilla one night, and uh, I just felt a bit really sore on the side. And it felt, sort of felt like a cramp, like I needed to do a shit. So I went to try to do a shit, and I couldn't do a shit. Then it felt like my pants were too tight. And so that's a that's a challenge at Gorilla as well. Yeah, like to do a shit. Yeah, you yeah, need a code. Nice. It's like get smart. Oh. How. Absolutely. Don Adams will go to work. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Got to go through his door down an elevator. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Sorry. So uh, that's okay. <laughs> and uh, and so the pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it travelled all up my side around the front. And I couldn't sit down. I couldn't stand up. I did the show. The show must go on, you know. You're a true comic, Paul. And I was and I was emceeing the show. It's my show, so I had a responsibility to it. So I got it up, got it done. And then I went home. I got caught in traffic on the Monash on the way home. And I was in such pain, Johnny. You couldn't believe it. It was horrendous. Just like that? Yeah. And it so just came came up and bang. Ha- bang. That That's night, it. a Wednesday night. Same as tonight. I hope it doesn't happen tonight. No. no it won't happen tonight. But uh, so I get home and I just laid on the bed and I was just writhing. That's the sort of pain I was. It was writhing pain. I couldn't. So I rang the ambulance and they, they, 10 minutes later they still weren't there. And my stepdaughter said, no, I'm taking it to the emergency. So they whipped me off to the emergency, and I had initially thought maybe I'm having appendicitis or it's kidney stones. Mm. And the doctor said, yeah, no, they're, they're fair assumptions, so we'll do a scan and have a look. And they pumped me full of morphine because the pain was just too bad, and that settled me down fairly quickly. Mm. wasn't too bad, to be honest, but well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it wasn't going away, so he said, we better send you for another scan. So they sent me for another scan, and that's when they found the blockage in the ureter. It was like six times its normal size. Wow. So they sent me over to the uh, urology unit at Casey that night. And uh, the next day they went in, they go in through your old fella with a camera and everything to check it out to see what was going on. And uh, they took the tumour out and put a stent in. Okay? A what? A stent, which is a drain from the kidney to the bladder. 
Okay, so you because can pass kid- fluid. Yeah, because the kidney wasn't working properly because of the blockage underneath it. It couldn't use its other kidney? Yeah, but but it's still wanting to use this one as well because okay. it's there. Yeah, you know? I see. And uh, and so they put the stent in to drain it and they took the tumour out and they biopsied it and they said, yeah, it's a grade one tumour, cancer. Non-aggressive, so it shouldn't have spread. And they were quite happy with that. They said, we'll just leave that. What does grade one mean, Paul? Well, they grade them from one to five sort of thing. I've heard of four. That's yeah. really bad, right? It's really severe. Okay. Yeah. You're not usually coming back from four graded cancers, depending on where they are, of course, and yeah. how they can treat them. But the earlier you get it, as in anything with health, the, the better your chances are to survive it. So, uh, can I just take you back? How do they, how do they, well, that's the news everyone fears. Like I think with their mortality, yeah. how do they tell you? Like how, how did that penny dropping moment come it about? Did the doctor sit you down and say, I want to talk to you about your results. You have cancer. However, it's grade one. Or did he just go, we're going to play hang the butcher. Uh, pick a letter, pick a letter. C. Yay. Yay. Oh, fuck. Oh, I got cancer. I could have picked T as well. <laughs> Yay. Tuba. Weird. But um, I was in the hospital bed and uh, the doctor came over, the senior doctor, and he says, how old are you? I said, 58. And he says, do you smoke? I said, yeah. He said, how long? I said, forever. And he says, I guarantee you 99% it's a tumour and, and you're going to lose your kidney. Just like that? Bang. Straight okay. out. I went, oh, okay. No fucking tact, this guy. No, nah, none whatsoever. And what I've a written fucking a, tool. I've written a little bit about that as well because being who we are, we need to enunciate these things, you know, make them funny, maybe to help us cope with them, as yeah. well as to let everyone else know that we're coping with them. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, so and, and he was right. So they took the tumour out. They waited three months to see whether the tumour would come back because there was a school of thought in Europe that, that when it was on a, uh, what they call a stem, which is, isn't the actual organ, but it's a stem of the organ, so if it was your heart, then it'd be in your tubes are coming out of your heart and that sort of thing, you know. Uh, there's a chance it might not come back and you'll be right. So I went back in three months later and had another uh, camera put up there and the blockage was back. And so within six weeks, I was back in hospital to get the kidney removed. Right, and so it came back three months later. Yeah, it came back pretty fast. So they said, all right, we're not mucking around now. We're just going to get rid of it. Safest thing to do. Easiest thing to do. Didn't they get rid of it the first time round? They did, but it grew back. Okay. Straight away. Almost. Even though it was classed as non-aggressive. Yeah. So non-aggressive, so still... they mean, is it's not spreading to other areas. Oh, right. It, it's aggressive in its own little shell where it is. Gotcha. It's doing what it's doing, but it's not aggressive that it's, like, oh, right, I'm out here and I'll fucking, I'll get your pancreas and I'll get your liver and I'll get your bladder while I'm here. I'll, you know, it wasn't doing that. If left, it would have done that. The bladder would have been the first thing to go, mm. you know. So, uh, yeah, so, so that was the, the, the story, basically. So went from nothing at all, then thought I was reasonably healthy, even though if I smoked and, and didn't eat all as well as I could, to having cancer. Did it change your life afterwards? Like, did it, was like some epiphany or some shit? Like, you know how some people, like, I know you gave up the fags. Yeah. But you can't say that word. Sorry. Cigarettes. Yeah. I love the fags. <laughs> <laughs> so you cut, the, you cut the smokes, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I see you vape now. Yeah, yeah, I vape now. So even though vaping might be even worse in the future, who the fuck well, knows? Who would know? At, at, at the moment, the but something of thought is that it's still not good, but it's better. There's just so much smoking. smoke that comes out when you vape. You look yeah, like yeah. a fucking dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's proper. Like, yeah, yeah. can't be good. It's really satisfying. It's got nicotine in there. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Really satisfying. But it does the job. I always thought if they could make nicotine in a pill, I'd be happy because I don't really want to smoke and all the all the problems you have with smoking. In, you, you stink, your clothes stink, your car stinks, your teeth stink, your hands get stained. You know, there's there's a lot of other things besides your internal health with smoking that makes it really unattractive. Yeah, I, I struggled hiding it from mum. Oh, well, my mum smoked and oh, so okay, did my dad. So. Blend in. Yeah, I was pretty cool. So you were smoking from 16? No. Fucking hell, from like eight. <laughs> <laughs> Get fucked. Yeah, I grew up on the Gold Coast in Surfers Paradise. <laughs> and what we used to do is you could buy a packet of Vicat. I don't even know they mentioned cigarette brands, I suppose. I yeah, yeah, what the fuck, man? You could buy a packet of Vicat specials for 23 cents. Fuck, oh, the good old days. Yeah, and what we used to do is we used to go in the pinball parlours and we'd sell them for five cents each. 
That's good. Good you coin. Be, exactly. And so we'd have three pennies all day. And how much? Three packet of cigarettes each. Oh, now you're taking me down memory lane. How much were pennies in your day? In my day, pennies was uh, 40 cents to five play. Five cents. Wow. And minimum fish and chips was 20 cents. Oh, 15 cents. And it was more than two boys could eat. Yeah, that's It was more brilliant. than two boys could eat. We, we used to also go around all the high-rise buildings because surface has been fully developed when I was there in the yeah. 70s. And we used to go around there and pick out all the returnable bottles and take them to the shop. That was another one Fucking of our little brilliant. scams. Brunswick, Brunswick, Brunswick was a dive back when I was a kid. Yeah. And I, I, you knew it was such a fucking shit area when, when the when the fish and chip shop owner kept the vinegar on a chain. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> like just one of these great areas, you know? Yeah. It was dodgy as fuck. Yeah, because somebody will take the vinegar. Well, everyone did. We would take the a, vinegar. Yeah, this hell. Greek guy, he cracked the shits. He's like, that's it. You want the vinegar? I'm putting it on a chain. He duct taped it. Yeah. You know, it took me 30 years of my life to work out where salt and vinegar chips come from. I never worked it back. I don't... Well, of course, whenever you got chips, you had salt and vinegar on them. Well, yeah. So when Smith's Crisps came out with chips, yeah. salt and vinegar is obviously... It's a classic. Is, is a staple. Staple, sorry. That's the better word yeah. for it. Because for me, it was Samboy. Yeah, right. And at one point in time, Samboy released super intense salt and vinegar chips. Oh. And I lost my fucking mind. Glorious. It was so potent that it had made your eyes tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did get blisters. Yeah. Magnificent. Magnificent. Hand you got herpes? Nah, just polished <laughs> yeah. off a pack of Sandboys. Yeah. Strong ones. Yeah. So so that was the smoking. So it, oh, yeah. It, it so was a... Uh, yeah, and I used to steal them off mum as well. And Really? Eight years old? Yeah. Well, it was just... I don't know. It was just being naughty. You just wanted to Have be you got naughty. a picture of an eight-year-old little Sharplin with a fag in his uh, mouth? Oh, I don't have a picture of it. But Fuck, I'd love to see that. What a bit of sight. I had an afro like this. Really? Huge curly hair. I was <laughs> brown as a berry because I spent all day, every day in the sea. You know, no shoes. Flat out wearing underpants when you're eight years old. Was it really know? paradise growing yeah, up there? Yeah, it was. It, it would have been. Back, back then, it was... What year are we talking? We're talking between uh, 65 and 76. Fuck. You know? And you could hear the beach radio from Tiki Village, which is two full streets, two full blocks away from the beach. You could hear the beach radio. The the sand from the beach used to build up in the gutters like this around Cavill Avenue and that. You yeah, know? wow. It was just a really peaceful, quiet... It was still what it was. It was still surface paradise. It was still an attractant for tourists and everything. It was. But, so but people it, from Victoria would go there yeah, during... Oh, absolutely. What was Cavill Avenue back in the 60s? It was a street. Just a street. Right. And it had these two, these three big motels up near the beachside, the Beachcomber, the yep. Star of the Sea, and the Five Star, I think they were called. And they, each one had Olympic-sized swimming pools in there. We used to do our swimming training there for nippers. We'd go over there and do the swimming training there. The very first McDonald's that was in Queensland was in Surface Paradise, which was right on sounds right like Cavill Avenue, Orchid Avenue. It just looks. It sounds like uh, it would have been New York's Coney Island. Everyone from Australia would go there yeah. for holidays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was there a theme park back in '65? No. no theme park. No, there was. Uh, there was uh, Sea World, but not the Sea World that you see now. It was actually called Marineland, and I, I actually saw the Young Talent time there. One night. This is Johnny Young. Johnny Jamie, Young. Jamie Redfern. Uh, what was the girl? A tall one. Debbie I Byrne. I don't know them. I just know yeah. Johnny Young and then I know like Danny and Kylie Minogue. And yeah, well, see, they came way after. This is the, the up, first yeah. crew, you know. And um, yeah, Jamie Redfern was a star. He got picked up by Liberace. He was like his, you know, thought, oh, this is a Support kid. act? Yeah, I think so. That, that's, that's, a nice <laughs> that's a good way, gig. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, and I remember seeing Johnny Young because I went around to say I've got to see Johnny Young. This guy's a star, you know. I'm eight years old. I think. That's yeah, my mum loved Johnny Young. Yeah. So and he was signing autographs for people, and I went up to have a look at him. I couldn't believe how how bad his complexion was. What pale? No, just spotty, which doesn't mean anything. But you know, when you what do you mean you, spotty? Just like freckles? No, pimples and. Craters and everything like oh, that. Oh, wow. I mean, you don't notice that on TV, do you? Baby face. You know, yeah, it looks perfect on the TV, but when you see him up close, and I, I, I don't know why I remember that, why that stuck in my mind. I don't remember any of the songs. I remember Debbie Byrne because it was raining. She ran on the stage and slipped, and flat on her ass, slid all the way to the microphone, <laughs> jumped up, grabbed it, and started singing. And oh, thought, what a gun. What a pro. Yeah, that's you fucking know? awesome. Who was that, Debbie? Debbie Byrne. Oh, yeah. B Y R N E. I think I remember. She. Yeah. 
Yeah. She was large back in the 70s. Yeah. She had a few songs and that when the young talent time was, was, was hip and cool and every Sunday night you'd lock in to watch that after Disneyland. So Surface Paradise at eight years old, you're smoking, you're hanging out at the beach with your mates, penny parlours. Penny parlours, solid. There must have been five or six in Surface. And we, we used to go around, we'd go around and sell cigarettes in every single one of them. Yeah, that's how you'd make some coins. That's how we made our money. And then what we'd also do is we'd get, because my mate Michael, he was a gun on the pennies. So we'd get our favourite penny and we'd rack up 10 or 12 games on it. Was this all pinball back then? Yeah, yeah, yep. it was all pinball. Do you remember Ice Rink? No, that's all right. Don't worry. Yeah, Colin Cole's favourite pinball. Ah, uh, right. No, I don't. And he's similar to your age. He's a yeah. great comedian from the UK now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And so my mate Michael, he'd rack up like 10 or 12 games on a pinball machine, one of our favourites. Then we'd put another kid on there and say, right, you, you play this. And then we'd go to the next pinball parlour. And we'd do the same there. We'd get a machine. We'd rack up 10 or 12 games, sell cigarettes, move to the next pinball nice. parlour. Then come back to the first one. And he'd be down to one or two games. I oh, move aside. We're here again. Yeah, rack up the games, and that was our day. We'd go around doing that, selling cigarettes. You know, I got beaten up by by a by a. Uh, I was ten at the time by an eight-year-old called Jimmy Green, toughest eight-year-old I've ever seen. Well, he owed me tougher cig- than an eight-year-old smoking. Well, he Holy Sharpler. He ate. He owed me cigarette money. We'd sold him some cigarettes, and he'd got them on hock, right? <laughs> you're, you're talking like you're in H Division. You're fucking eight. <laughs> Fifteen cents worth of cigarettes, you know. We're down at the bowling alley, the Chevron Bowl. He's come there, so I pulled him out. I said, where's, where's me 15 cents? He's gone, I don't have it. I said, oh, you better fucking have it, you know. You, you, you can't go ticket up cigarettes and not pay. He's gone, well, come outside. And I thought he was taking me outside to pay me. No, he was taking Kick me outside to on. give me a flogging, yeah, so... He kept his 15 cents, and uh, I learned a small lesson then. Did you have to learn to fight? Was it that type of place or not really? Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, yeah you, had to, you had to hold your own. Okay. Put it that way. You know, especially you hang around pinball parlours, and there were pool halls, basically. But we didn't notice the pool hall side of it. We only noticed the pinball side of it. Yeah. So if I was 15 or 16, I would have had a totally different view than when I was 8 to 12. What was the ethnicity makeup? Like for me, growing up as a kid here, it's it was Lebanese. White. You had to stay away from the Lebanese gangs. Yeah. If a Lebanese crossed you, you just let him cross you because you had to deal with all his brothers and then you're yeah, fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's better to just take a beating. Yep. They stole my pushy, but they gave it back to me after a couple of months. Yep. You know. Yeah, it was just white kids, basically. There wasn't okay. any ethnicity there. There was a lot of Maori kids, but I, 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 I'm born in New Zealand. You know, I spent a couple of months over there in 1970 six months and we actually lived in a married town over there so i always got on well with married kids so that, that wasn't a problem for me you know was that the gift of the gab though the fact that you yeah you want to become a stand-up so you've got that talent to converse i didn't know that at that time that that was a talent were you trying that to make, i've always had were you trying to make people laugh back then always made people laugh mm. always i'd go out of my way to make people laugh. same here it's inherent yeah. a lot yeah. of people i talk on that side say the same thing I, I could i'd make my mates laugh we'd be driving down the road you know and i'd be in the back seat of the car pulling faces in the rear vision mirror so every time they looked in the rear vision mirror to see if there's a car behind me, they'd be me and they're going yeah like this and they'd be laughing their heads off and I'm just thinking, anything to get a laugh anything to get a laugh yeah. and i always told jokes other people's jokes I made up a few jokes of my own along the way, but mainly I was I was just good at telling jokes. Mm. You know? I used to do that as well. I used to watch Hey Hate Saturday and then perform the jokes to my mates on yeah. the street. Yeah. But I I was more of an imitator back then, so I would impersonate yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these other yep. celebrities for my mates on the street. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was something similar. Yep. Just, I, I used to. I just wanted to be the funny guy because I was never the big guy. And I was never the tough guy. I was never the fast guy. You know, I thought maybe I could be the funny guy. Yeah. And that would work for me as far as, it's obviously all about girls. You know, it's all about girls and getting on and, and that sort of thing. But I just love telling jokes. And I grew up, my, my, my parents watched a lot of comedy when I was growing up. I grew up with Dave Allen, Dick Emery, The Benny Hill Show, Monty Python's Flying Circus, you know, Are You Being Served, all these great old English comedy shows. They were on every night in our house, every single night. And so, and my dad had records. He had The Goon Show on vinyl and Peter Cook and Dudley Moore on vinyl. Wow, and I've heard of that. I used to come that. home from school and play them. And fuck to me, mates, laugh out, guts out. Really? Fucking brilliant jokes. So nothing was lost in the... Tr- in the 
the joke writing from the UK to you could understand it. Yeah, it, uh, I was. Nothing was going over your head, no, or not really. No, no, I was I was pretty pretty switched on to it from the start. Mm. I don't know whether that's just me or the way I brought up or my family because my parents were very young. They were like eighteen years old when they had me, so there wasn't that much of a gap between us. You know, so a lot of the stuff they're liking, I'm starting to like anyway because it's in the right time frame. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um. So, so this is like. So, where did you go from there? From eight year old smoking Gold Coast. When did you leave Surfers? And uh, and why? Why leave? What made you leave Paradise? Because you know my parents. They they, they they moved. They wanted to buy a house, and so they bought a house in Beanley, which is thirty kilometers north of the Gold Coast, in between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. And, uh, was the Gold Coast uh, too expensive back then? Yeah, it was it starting was. to. It was okay. starting to. And, and so back in 65, get, 70, your yeah, well, parents were that. like, shit, we're priced out. 76, not in 76. Oh, God, that's when I was there. born. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. That's and they bought born. the house for like $32,500. Yeah. Three bedroom, brand new, yeah. on a nice block right next to the football field, you know, pretty close to the local school and everything like that. So it made sense for them. And, and they could drive. They still both worked on the Gold Coast, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge commute. It wasn't the traffic there is now. It was... Mm. 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back sort of thing you know and I still went to school on the Gold Coast for the first part of it because I was going I just started high school was going to a Catholic school in Burley called Marymount College but I, I had an argument with the headmaster so he wrote a letter to my parents saying it's probably best if they take me to a local school and why why was that what, did, what was the argument over? Was it religious based? No, like it was, this is, it's like just most me comics being... this is bullshit <laughs> it's, it's just me being Standing up for myself, which I've always fucking done. Because on the weekend, me and a mate, we were at a... at a. You say you've always been standing up for yourself. Do you yeah. have no siblings? No. Okay, so that's why you you're, you have to be your own yeah. big brother. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so we were at this uh, squash courts on the Sunday afternoon, me and my mate. And we're just playing and we jumped out this window. How old are you? Uh, 12, 13, 13 okay. years old, yeah. So we jumped out this window up the roof. See what happens with no internet? You play squash. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so we leapt out to have a cigarette out of the window. So we slid the window open onto the little mezzanine roof sort of thing, you know. And so right there we had a few cigarettes and come back in. Right, I didn't think anything of it. Went home, went to school the next day. The headmaster calls me up. Says, uh, we've had reports that you vandalised some spotlights at the Broad Beach Squash Centre yesterday. I said, no, it wasn't me. Was it you? No. And the people across the road, you know, he said, oh, the people across the road, and he's at me for like a good half an hour to an hour. He says, who are you with? I said, I was with Adam. He says, and, he's, and I said, he goes to Miami High. And he said, yeah, yeah, we know who you're with. We've already Miami's Miami just near High. Broad Beach. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that was the rough school. Really? Yeah, that was a real rough school. I went to a Catholic college, which was okay. a bit, bit softer. And uh, so he's at me and at me. And I said, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. We didn't. I said, well, I was there. We jumped out there to smoke a couple of cigarettes. I'll give that much away, even though I'm 13. I don't want to tell you I'm doing this. I think that's a lesser crime than the one you're accusing me of, to be perfectly honest, you know. And he said at the end, he says, look, he says, the people across the road saw you doing it. And I said, I don't give a fuck what they fucking saw. I didn't fucking do it. And he just sat back like this. I went, all right, you can go. And that was it? No, he 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 uh, got a message from my teacher later on that day that there was a letter at the headmaster's for me to pick up to give to my parents. And so I picked up the letter and gave it to my parents, and it was, uh, we probably think that your child should go to a local school. We know that you've moved away and, you know, his marks are starting to fall down and that sort of thing, which wasn't the case. I was averaging 70% in eight subjects. I found it know. interesting how the headmaster just disengaged, switched off, and yeah. that's it. Didn't want to um, no, no. combat you in no. any way verbally. No, no. Just... He, he believed me in the end. But he still wrote the letter to fuck you off. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Which that's, is probably better anyway, because I'm getting up at half past five in the morning, having to get all my school stuff together, get in the car with my parents, go to the bus stop at half past seven, spend another hour on the bus from Surface to Burley, mm. catch the bus back to my grandparents' place at Florida Gardens, oh, wait for my that. parents to finish work, get home again. and So So what changed then? Did you go to a school closer? Yeah, I went to the local state high school. And what was that like? Rough? Oh, uh, yeah. Rougher? Oh, really rough. Rougher than an eight-year-old smoking? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I still held my own. I, I had to have a couple of fights to start off with. Just to, you know, 
make your way sort of thing. It's like you're describing prison. Yeah. So you, what happens to have a fight? Does someone pick on you to test you out? Yeah. Size you up? Yeah. See whether they can walk all over you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm. Flick you in the back of the head with their ruler while you're in class and your head keeps going down. Yes. That, that sort of thing. Is that what know? happened to you? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and what did you do? Did you just crack him or did you say, look... Oh, I just put it off for so long, for so long, for so long, <laughs> you know. And then we're over at the at the gym, at the gymnasium. It's an outdoor gymnasium. And this kid come up, Brett, you know. It said, you and me in the toilet. says, no, I'm not fucking interested. So he fucking whacked me. So we what? started fighting right there and then. And the, the senior technical arts teacher came out, whose son is actually a really good comedian called Andrew Nason. I don't know whether you ever heard of him. He's no, from Canberra. I yeah. No. And uh, that, that's, a, that's way down the track sort of thing. And sent us up the office, got three cuts around the arse, you know, and I thought that was it. But on the way back from the office, Shearer still wanted to go. I'm going, oh, fuck, I don't really want this at all. You know, I don't want this. But my mates that I'd met said, don't worry about it, we'll back you up. Because he, he had a tough group of friends. You know, you see it in school. First two things you notice when you go to a new school. Who the best fighter is, who the fastest runner is. Mm. They're, the, they're two boy skills, which, you know, you don't get away from. Mm. And his mates were the tough guys. And so they said, all right, we'll back you up. So he went into the toilets, and, and I managed to get the better of him. And so that sort of put me in good stead for the rest of my time at the school. And I, 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 even though I wasn't a tough guy, I wasn't a... I wasn't a stand-back guy either. You know, push comes to shove. I was was this high enough. school now? Yeah, this is high school. Year now. nine, year ten? Yeah, end of grade eight. Grade eight. Yeah. When, um, I'm just curious in terms of generations, when, when, did, when did the kids in your year level start having sex amongst each other? Was it, like, for me, I think year 11. Year 11, I think, is okay, about, so actually, I, I think there was a bit of sex happening before then. Only if you're super fucking lucky. <laughs> yeah, there were stories. The I can remember that. being in grade 11. I can remember being in grade 11, okay? I was super sitting there in class. Sitting there in class. Were you think, never super fucking lucky? Oh, I was a little bit lucky, but not What's super. that mean? Is a hand job under the desk or something? Yeah, well, I'd, 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 <laughs> I'd met a couple of older girls and had a bit of fun sort of thing, you know. Were you good with the older ladies? I've always been good with the ladies. You and can I shouldn't step say up. that here. No, why, why not? That means you, you know. can step up in maturity and, yeah. and converse yeah. to a greater extent. That's, that's absolutely an admirable quality to up, have. I grew up with a woman. My mother, was. Re- I was really close to my mother. I wasn't so close to my father. I was really close to my mother. And, and she taught me a lot of things about being a decent man as far as woman goes very early in life. And I took that with me. And that always worked well. Treated, always treated girls, ladies now, but girls then with respect, and always treated them as equals. Well, yeah, you don't, you don't have to like you know? fucking say that because we, we, you're not a bad person. Yeah, I'm, but just, I'm just saying that that's who I was at 15 years yeah. old, 14, 15 years old, as opposed to other boys that weren't at that spot. Yeah, because they hadn't had that thought process going on. But anyway, I'm in grade 11, and I'm sitting there in the chair, and I feel this tap on my shoulder, and I turned around, and there's Bill and David sitting beside me. Bill goes, hey, Paul. I said, you what? He said, do you pull yourself? <laughs> I go, oh, fuck. This is, this is the moment. Do I, do I say yes or do I say no? Because we know now everybody's pulling themselves. Fucking everybody. But you weren't actually letting anyone know then that you were pulling yourself. That was still a fucking thing, you know. That was still a, a, a bad thing because mm. you didn't know any better. And I went, oh, yeah. And Dave says, yeah, I do too. And Bill said, yeah, I do too. And that was it. The fucking door was open. It was Soggy Biscuit and porno movies at their parents' house fucking every Saturday night. Soggy know. Biscuit? <laughs> Don't ask me that. Did you, ever, did you play Soggy Biscuit? I never lost at Soggy Biscuit, put it that way. <laughs> Soggy Biscuit seems like just a gay thing to do. It's, like I wouldn't... Just, a, it's just a horrible thing, but just boys... Can you explain 15, Soggy... 16, 17 years Can old. you explain what Soggy Biscuit is? God, do I have to? Yes. <laughs> soggy Biscuit is where you've got four or five teenage boys all deciding to have a fucking uh, pool session together. All together? Yeah, yeah, you used to. I've got other stories about that too. We'll get there, but... And you'd put a biscuit on the on the table and whoever came on the biscuit last had to eat it. <laughs> Qualification, I never came last. I never saw anyone have to eat it. 
So no one ate it. It was. I just... never saw it. It was just just an excuse to have a wank. I think you know. Doesn't it seem a, a very uh, homosexual act though, with to, to jerk off in front of your male mates? Like, isn't it? Well, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, to no. quote Seinfeld, okay. it's perfectly fine. But it just seemed like I wouldn't cross that line. Like, I Boys mean, at experiment. your age. Well, I experimented, but I was, yeah. you know, doctors and nurses with. Yeah, done that too. But if. I don't know. It, it was just a thing. I, I mean, Rob's father had pornos on, on, on eight millimeter. What biscuit? Scotch finger? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, was it really? <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Because <laughs> it soaks it up nicely. <laughs> it just a little flow off the sides. But um, <laughs> he had a Super 8. Like it was a, an eight millimeter, you know, reel to reel, and had a porno tape. Oh wow! And it was this pool hall with the, with these African American guys and white ladies and that, you know, getting into it. And, and so, it's like, oh, I'm a. Is that the first time you saw a black dick? Yeah. And were you taken aback? Oh. We'd always, never... so the the rumours had always been that they're bigger. The, yeah. You Until know. I first saw it on film, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, and then I thought, "Oh yeah, fucking," you know. For sure. And that's why they got the job. Because they yeah. have big dicks. It's porn. Yeah, the biggest stars get the biggest roles. Exactly. And uh, so he'd say, oh, Saturday afternoon, my place, parents are going away. And there'd be six or seven boys there Saturday afternoon, all laying around Robert's lounge room with their dicks out, fucking wanking, watching this fucking porn, you know. <laughs> and you didn't think anything of it. It was, wow, just, it was just a wank session. That's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> that is really bizarre. Because we would all watch... VHS porn, yeah. uh, when my parents were out working, my mates would come over from primary school, high school, yeah. and would put on a VHS tape, we'd watch it, but it would have this amazing ability to render the whole room silent. Oh, yeah. Everyone oh, yeah, would just silence. be silent yeah. and watching, and then no, and then at the end of it, it'd be just take the tape out, and then everyone would go home. And, and use really their quickly. memory. And use, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you eat fish. and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just because you want to recall as much as you can. Yeah. And we'd, we'd find porn magazines in a laneway. Oh, I used to find them in my father's cupboard. He had screw Perfect. and board magazines there. And I used to share them with my mates, you know. They had a joint in the drawer. I used to show it to my friends. Look, my parents have got a joint. Put it back again. Did you ever take one? No. They'd kill you. Oh, fuck yeah. I came home one afternoon, it was gone. And then I remembered last Friday night, they were with Jan and Roger across the road, and they'd had a big night laughing and partying and everything. I didn't get home myself till like 11 o'clock that night, and they're still over there partying it up. I didn't think anything of it till I went to look for the joint on Monday just to see if it was still there, and it was gone. I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Mm. See, my parents smoked when they were younger, like I said, because remember, they're, they're very young. Yeah, you told me they were 18 when yeah. they had you. There was an, a, a bizarre story, Johnny, bizarre story. It was both their first time to have sex. They were both virgins. They had sex, got pregnant. To, and you? Yeah, first wow. time. And, and never did it again. Obviously, they had sex again, but never got pregnant again. So that was it. Locked it down on one. You're a miracle baby. Perfect miracle conception. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that, they, they used to smoke pot when we lived in Surfers Paradise. That they were pot smokers. Were they good parents? They they weren't bad parents for sure. Yeah, good. You know, and and I look back on it now as a parent. And, and they did a good job. They did a good enough job. Yeah, yeah. And most of the mistakes that came along in my life were mine totally. Same here. Hundred percent. You know, I can't blame them for anything. To be perfectly honest, my mum was rock solid. You know, was your mum rock solid? Too? Mum you mentioned rock before. Solid. Yeah. yeah, my mum was my everything, my core. Yeah, yeah me too. Still is. Mm. That's why I'm so keen to get back to Queensland in, in four weeks' time, because I haven't seen them for two years. Are they both alive? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Are they living in the same house? No, no, no. They've moved heaps of times. Okay. But I, I do jokes about them being alive. You've heard my stuff yeah. about them being alive and that's But that, that's, that's tongue-in-cheek. But it's a little bit of reality as well. I mean, you don't want your parents to go, but you do know when they go that there's something for you as well. Inheritance-wise, especially when you're an only child, you can't help but look at what's going to be left for you, and they can't help but telling me, "Hey, this will all be yours one day. You'll get the fucking whole lot. You're our only child." And I keep saying, "Fuck you! Eighteen years older than me. We'll be in the same old people's home together for fuck's sake." Yeah. So if you're <laughs> yeah, gonna go, you know? go now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking make it worthwhile. Yep. But my kids will will benefit from it. So whatever. 
So, uh, yeah. Your mum would have been horrified. Well, I'm just thinking from a Greek perspective because Greek mothers go berserk when you fell ill and you were diagnosed. Yeah, she didn't show me, but I, I know that's the case. Yeah, she was like internally fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, Has your dad still got his faculties? Oh, yeah, sharp as a tack. That's great. Absolutely sharp as a tack. You're blessed, man. And uh, he's always been a very staunch, very, very strong individual as well. You know, very, very upfront, very speaker's mind, say what he has to say. With research, he doesn't talk out of turn. He won't talk about anything he doesn't know enough about to talk about. You know, if he brings something up, you know that he's done his research. If you want to have an argument with my old man, you want to have done your fucking research because you know he has. Mm. You know, that sort of person. Was a golfer. Was a great golfer. Probably could have been one of the best golfers, but he had a young wife and a small child, so couldn't pursue that path. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of resentment towards me as I grew up because of that as well from Was him. he that good at golf on the precipice of oh, going yeah, pro? Yeah, yeah. He, he beat Greg Norman when Greg Norman was 15. So that's not so bad. But he no, beat... that is <laughs> fucking awesome. Your dad beat Greg Norman in a game of golf. Yeah, yeah. That's but wicked. Dad's like 25 years old and Greg Norman's 15. So there's... Doesn't matter. Take yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah, and, and he... If I beat uh, US, Usain Bolt on an arcade game, like oh. the International Olympics, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say I beat him in a race. Yeah, I can run with it, yep. But uh, he, and this is back in the days when, if you wanted to be a professional golfer, you just didn't get a management company, turn pro and get Nike and, and, and Niblick on your side. You had to work as an apprentice professional in the local professional golf shop, restringing old ladies' golf clubs and doing green work and that for three or four years before you're actually allowed to be a professional. And as you know, apprentice really? wages are really low. So you could be an apprentice golfer back an then? An apprentice professional golfer. Right. And you earned your stripes by working around golf clubs. Yeah, yeah. Tending greens. and Tending greens, working in the pro shop, playing as much as you can, of course. Of course. Coaching people. In the know. Gold Coast, it's pristine conditions. Yeah, so yeah. You're playing, you, you can like never miss a game. You're yeah, always exactly. out there. Always out there. But, but there's no way he could have afforded that. He, he had to get a job. He had to get a full-time job to support his wife and his child, you know. Right. Did you need a lot of money to go pro? Or no, you needed but, but that, no you, other commitments? You didn't need any other commitments. Exactly right. You had to commit yourself to it. And, and the income wasn't guaranteed. You had to probably get to America or Europe okay. to make an income. How did his resentment towards you manifest itself? I think my father, I think, had a bit of that towards me because... Uh, he had to give up so much to work in a factory yep. to pay the house. And yep. I think that came through short fuse, yep. snapping, yep. Um, a bit of a excess belting. Yep. Even though I deserved a minor one, I'd get a major one. Yep. Yep. All Is that. that how it came yep. to? Yep. And, and not a lot of... I understand that Not, not a lot of um, fatherly affection. Hard, got, hardly any. Yeah, hardly yeah. any. I remember one night he came in and gave me a kiss and tucked me in. It fucking scared the shit out of me. Almost leapt out the fucking window. I thought, what the hell is going on here? That's not dad as I see it. I have the same memory of you lying know? on my father's lap and he put his he put his hand on my forehead and it was probably one of the first times he ever did that. Yeah. I was 35, but no. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, it was like I was 13 or 12 and I was yeah. like... And I remember that moment. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Yeah. And he was caressing my forehead. Yeah. It was, yeah, one of the few times I've got. And that now, yeah. It's and now weird, I isn't it? It is. Man. And now I think back Have on it, Have you got though. kids now? Yeah. yeah. Did now you I show think... them love from oh, a young age? fucking absolutely. Yeah. you got really to smother solidly. the little motherfuckers. Yeah. But, but it, as I look back on it, he, he didn't actually do a hell of a lot wrong. No, they, he you provided. Know what I mean? He provided very well. He was always there. Occasionally, I mean, he bought my first car for me. He taught me how to drive. We're not faulting our fathers you know, in any way no, here. this is just observational. My dad and did the same thing. He taught me to drive. Yeah, yeah. At Cole's car park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In Cole's a car fucking park. XB. In a 120Y. <laughs> 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 fucking I Datsun. loved that 120Y. Yeah, Fuck, a, I loved that yeah, car. Every fucking one had a That was my Datsun first in. car. I just loved it so much. The amount of times that thing spent at the drive-in every Friday night. Nice. All around with all my mates, and they all have V8s, and we're running out of petrol and hitting trees, and my yeah, little, little 120Y and... was just driving past. Fucking yeah. see you later, guys. We're doing it cool. <laughs> but, he, but he wasn't a bad dad as far. And, and, had, and, and that sense of humor, I think now, 
I've, I've, I have his sense of humour now, and mm. I didn't recognise it back when I was a kid. Uh, I, I, I did at times, but I didn't. Like, my friends would ring up. Is Paul there? No, he is in the dungeon. Go away. Hang up the phone. I didn't realise how fucking funny that was until later on in life. That's a fucking funny thing to tell no, he's another 14-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah that's he is great. in the dungeon. We are torturing him. Ring back later. Click. And my mates would ring me. I'd say, fuck your old man. He's crazy, man. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's great. But uh, he was always there. And it was a bit of bit, but then there was things I did that he could have been harsher on and wasn't, you know. I'll tell you this little story. When I was in Surfers Paradise, I was a bit of a wild child, okay? I did what I wanted to do, basically. And we used to leap out the window. At you're like, smoking at eight. No oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're selling smokes for five cents. Yeah. At eight. At eight. I think I got that. We used to leap out the window, right, and go into Surfers at night time. So I wait till about half past 12 at night, slide the window open. I'm 11 years old leap out the fucking window, meet up with a couple of mates and go hang around surface all night. Stealing food, stealing cigarettes, you know, just generally running amok. And uh, so we were on our way home this one night, back to Chevron Island, because I lived on Chevron Island. I don't know whether you know Chevron Island. It's no. just off Surface Paradise. It's just one bridge away from Surface Paradise. Wow. We're at the back of it. And we're there about half past four in the morning, me and John and Adam. And uh, we've got pockets full of cigarettes small change because Adam had raided his brother's small change on the top of the cupboard before he came out that night and the police pull up what are you boys doing you're 11 at this stage yeah yep. what are you boys doing oh just hanging about what's in your pockets I'm fucking full of cigarettes and small change and they said oh I think we've caught fingers and we looked at each other and they radio back we think we've caught fingers we've got them here on Chevron apparently there'd been somebody going around stealing milk money because you know milk money? Back in the old days, he used to put the milk bottles out. And yeah. They'd put money there as well. So yeah. the milker would come around and fucking swap the bottles over and take the money and leave the change. You're a weird little bastard to go in there before the milker had got there and steal the fucking milk money. Of course. <laughs> There's a gap in the market. <laughs> exactly. But we weren't doing it that night. We had done it before and we'll have done it afterwards as well. But that particular night, we weren't fucking doing it. Right. And I said, all right. Get in the car, we'll take you home. Where do you live? I said, around the corner. He says, all right, we'll take you home first. What about you two boys? Oh, I'm staying at his place tonight, my mate Adam said. I don't know where John lives. So we go around to my place, go in the garage. He puts me to the side, you stay there. He knocks on the door, police. I hear the scurrying inside, and mum opens the door, yep. And he grabs me and says, is this yours? She's going, oh, you fucking little, you know. <laughs> And what about this one? Is this one here too? She said, no, 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 but I know that one. I know his mum. I'll tell you their address and their phone number right fucking down. You take him back. And the other one, I've never seen him before. Don't worry, he's not mine. So, <laughs> so he says, all right. She's, he says, all right, it's yours. Threw me inside. And he says, you go see your father. Fuck. So my father's in the bedroom with his head down. I'm going, oh, fuck, I'm going to get hammered. This is, there's going to be bruises after this one, you know. He just gave me one cuff around the ear and says, go to your fucking room. I'll talk to you in the morning. And you got you know, off. And he was fucking, I thought he was ropeable. Just but he was too, all right. Too angry to talk to me, basically, you know. Maybe he smoked a joint just beforehand. This is the story. So the next day, the next morning I wake up, he says, all right, you've got to spend the day with your mother. You're not going anywhere today. And he knew how much of a free spirit I was. That fucking kills me. <laughs> and so he said, you've got to spend the day with your mother. It just so happened that my mother was going on her work barbecue over on North Stradbroke Island, on South Stradbroke Island, on the Shangri-La cruise. Fuck. So I went Shangri-La cruising, jet boating, jet skiing, fucking everything. But that was <laughs> Did the your dad best know fucking this? day ever. You know? Was your dad aware of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he just wanted me to spend the day with my mum. Oh. And then they, I, I noticed the next night my window was bolted. So I wasn't getting back out again after that. Yeah. And I found out many, many years later that Dad was actually in the room laughing his fucking head off. He couldn't fucking put his head up because he didn't want to see me see him fucking laughing. Yes. They thought they were busted. They're still smoking dope, of course. Right. There's a knock on the door at half past four. The so morning open up as the police. And they go, oh, fuck, we're raided. <laughs> they don't know I'm not there. My door's closed. They're not yeah. checking before of they come course. out. So they thought you know? it was a dope. They thought they were getting busted. And oh. then when he says, is this yours? Fuck you, Paul. What are you doing? Get inside. Go see your father. And dad's fucking dead. And, you know, comedy, that's where laughter comes from, doesn't it? From the it, relief of danger, the cessation of danger. Yeah, that's it's where laughter tragedy comes from. plus time. Yeah. And so uh, I got away with that that day. Fuck. Fucking brilliantly. We spent a whole week in a cubby house. Adam told his mum that he was staying at my house. 
I told my mum I was staying at Adam's house. We stayed in this cubby house for a week at the Sundale Shopping Centre. Is this Stand By Me, Stephen King? No. It sounds like you're, you're living a life like Stand By Me, that movie. Oh, right. No, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, it's a classic. You've got to watch it. Yeah. It sounds like your fucking upbringing. Yeah, right. Like four kids in a small country town yeah. trek across three or four country towns to go and see a dead body because they heard there's a dead body oh, by the river. And that, it with a stick. That's yeah, stick, and all yeah. this mischief. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Good well, old days. Oh, huge mischief. And I didn't see it as mischief. It was just fun. Just having fun. You know, surface was a great place to grow up, and Beanley wasn't too bad either. That that was that was a a different style of growing up. That was a country style of growing up. That was rugby league and and air rifles and that sort of thing. You know. Do you so think it's totally weird now different. for kids? Do you think it's tougher for kids? Because yeah, uh, my brother's got kids, I, I and they're be a kid these days for quids. Yeah, it's like they're just bedridden on Wi-Fi, sucking a teat well, of data. I don't have a huge problem with that. No kids played in the street during lockdown. If we went through a lockdown in the 80s, my street would be littered with chalk marks of tennis courts, yep. cricket yep. pitches, yep. soccer. Is that because you didn't have Wi-Fi, though? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but if you'd have had Wi-Fi... I'd be bedridden. Exactly. Playing Fortnite. Exactly. And and I, I sort of see... I don't... I, have I missed out? Are they missing out? Are they missing out? Did we miss or out? Or are, are we missing out? Did we miss out because we didn't have access to that technology when we were younger? And sh- had that technology been available, would we have used it the same way the kids today use it? Absolutely, absolutely, we would have. You know, and they're growing into their future, not our past. Mm. And their future is all technology. So it's better screens. that they acclimatise quicker. They need to. My my, my three year old granddaughter. It's kind of a smart answer. My three year old granddaughter pulls out the phone. Yeah, they know. This is her. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. And she's happy. Three years old. I'm flat out working it out now at 58 years old. Yeah. You know, but that will be her future. Her education, her job, her whole life will be based on electronic media and communication. And so they'd better get used to it. They'd better be something that, that they, they grow up with as, as a norm. You mentioned before uh, when you went to school just fleetingly that you got three lashes across the back. Across the backside, yeah. Back, yeah, um... Did they? I got belted as well at school. Yeah, uh, that was just the way it was. Yeah, uh, I think it was a deterrent. I think it worked to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. But, but boys are going to be boys. Mm. You put up with that. Do you think it to be a boy? Yeah. Should they have it again? No. No. I. I. I, I don't have any lingering uh, effects from being beaten as a child. Mm. I don't think I do. Maybe I fucking do. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You're okay. But I, I can remember getting the cuts across the hands when I'm yeah. when I'm seven years old. On the knuckles? No, no, across the open side. I got my very first one when I was in grade one for stealing and wagging. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to catch me. I ran round and round the desk, fucking no. holding my backside. No, no, no. And he finally caught me. That's why he belted you. Give me one, yeah. It was out the door. But I don't think it's the right thing to do mm. to, to beat kids. I never beat my children. I got horrible. I got heaps of hidings when I was a kid. Yeah, ne- never any split lips or any bullshit like that. Just just hidings. Just a belt across the just backside. Normal and cuffs around the ears and yeah. you know kicks up the ass and that sort of thing. But I never did that to my kids. I I I sort of worked because I didn't like that when I was growing up. Yeah, you know I didn't feel that was fair. And once I started actually started doing some self-defense, I turned 15, 16, I'm actually starting to do self-defense. And the last time my dad tried to hit me, I just kept blocking it. Yeah. And he gave up. And that's when I started getting grounded, <laughs> which was fucking worse. Yes. I'd rather have copped the hiding and been fucking and be done gone with it. rather than I, you're not allowed to ride your bicycle for a week and you have to say, hey, oh, fuck. Yeah. I've got girlfriends. They're bicycles, everything. It is. The bicycle was, uh, yeah. yeah. That was it. My girlfriend used to steal it at lunchtime and I was working, you know. I'd lock it up on the fence. She'd come down, unlock it and ride it around all day <laughs> then drop it back before I finished work. Uh, you know, that was, that was my status symbol, that bicycle. Yeah, I had a pushy as well, which I loved. I remember it to this day. So what happened with you with stand-up? Why did you get to stand-up so late? Uh, I have to ask. Oh, there's no problem at all. And I've often thought about it myself. I always liked comedy. When I was a little person, I, liked, I grew up, my first vision of a comedian is Dave Allen. 
He was brilliant. And I still remember the joke even to this fucking day. E- effortlessly I mean, brilliant. Effortlessly brilliant. And then we used to watch, you know, uh, the big yid, what's his name? Billy Connolly. Billy, yeah, I loved Billy. You know, and just the way he put it all together. And all them English shows that I told you that we used to watch, all them stand-up shows, Monty Python, loved Monty Python, just loved comedy in general, but never really saw a path to it. So living on the Gold Coast and that, you don't see a path. And as Glenn said in, in your in your last podcast, you know, he said this is something that happened somewhere else. It doesn't happen here. Yeah. There you was know, nothing like that at the Gold Coast. Here. No, not even close. I only went to one comedy show on the Gold Coast. I would have been 35 years old by then. And, and, and what was that? It was, was it Vaudevillian? Like... No, no. It was a proper comedy show they set up at the local entertainment centre. And I think Akmar was there. I'm not sure. It was, it was, a, it was a good... Oh, when you were thirty-five. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't might not have been Akmal, but it was a really good, uh, well, comedian, and I laughed my guts out. Was it Vince Sorrenti? No, it wasn't Vince Sorrenti. I remember Vince Vince Sorrenti, and there was another guy, Gary something. And I used to watch Hey Hey, and there was always comedians on Hey Hey. Yes, you know, me too. That's Marty when Bright, I f- Marty Bright's dad, what was his name? Marty Fields. Marty Fields. Mori. Mori Fields, Murray. yeah. It was always super quick. And yeah. John, the guy over the voiceover, was always super yeah, quick. Yeah, John Blackman, he was very good. But, I, do, I used to look forward to the comedian just before Red Faces. Yeah. Because that was real stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mori Fields was just doing jokes that I'd yeah. hear in primary school. Yeah, yeah. But it was I was so attracted to stand-ups with their wonderful brains with their thinking oh, absolutely. it was like we're, what we're is not, this thought process when ostentatious first came out you know yeah yeah really off comedy now yes but at the time was brilliant yeah laugh my guts out bill cosby used to have bill cosby on vinyl like because we used to have peter cook and dudley moore on vinyl and used to listen to them but i never actually thought that there was a path to be a comedian and i never actually thought that that was something i could do and the person that made me start to think that it was a possibility was jerry seinfeld Really? Well, the show came on, Seinfeld, and I related to Seinfeld, single, thin, middle-aged, uh, mid-30s, similar-looking sort of thing, you know, and I didn't think he was very funny. I thought, here's this guy. He's, you didn't think he was very funny? I didn't think he was very funny at all, but he was so successful at what I thought wasn't being very funny. As, as a... As a as a consumer of the art form now, I realise how good Jerry Seinfeld is as a comedian. Mm. You know, he's peerless. The way he puts his jokes together, the way he delivers them, the way he builds them up, every, everything about him. I don't have to explain to you, you know yourself, you know, he's a, a brilliant comedian. But I didn't think it was that funny. And so that sort of... That's sat, all right. I feel the same way in a weird way. Yeah. And it sort of sat in my He's head. a wonderful technician. Yeah, absolutely. And An full, artist. And an amazing respect. Yeah. But, huge respect. But not a lot of his bits I've ever actually had a big laugh over. Yeah, you know? I, I know what you mean. And so then... But I don't want to take anything away from him. No. Definitely not. Yeah, we love him. Oh, and his audiences love him. And I've actually seen him do some stuff not quite... Like, I've watched a couple of his specials and that. And some of the stuff he does that isn't quite kosher, to say the word, you know. He's just trying bits out and he's in yeah. clubs and just his reaction to heckles and that, that's been quite brilliant. Some yes. of that stuff's really brilliant. And I think, all right, there's a higher level of comedian that I didn't actually see in the beginning that mm. I see now, you know. But then I came to Melbourne to work because I lost a, I had a cleaning contract in, in the Gold Coast which fell through and we needed money to pay the mortgage and everything. And there was a cleaning job came up down in Melbourne because my wife's family all lived down here. And uh, So that's what brought you to Melbourne? In 2014, the end of 2014. I went to Romania in 2014, came back, came to Melbourne in November of Is your wife from Romania? Yep. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say if she wasn't, yeah, if you're like, no, nah, she's from Adelaide. I'm yeah. like, okay, always <laughs> wanted to go to Romania. Yeah. It's a fucking bizarre place, but that's yeah, another is. story. It is. <laughs> I was, were you in Bucharest? Yeah, I've been in Bucharest. We spent most of our time in Timisoara, which is on the other side of the, t- okay. the country. I was mainly doing gigs in Bucharest, yeah. but my mum loved my photos because it's uh, Orthodox, oh. Greek Orthodox. Yeah. So she was loving the churches. Yeah, Romanian Orthodox. Romanian Orthodox, yeah. But very similar. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. It's the old yeah. Testament. Yeah. yeah, no, not so much that. that they, they just decided to go away from the Catholics because the Catholics had all the money and they wanted some for themselves, which explains a lot about Greeks and Romanians. <laughs> Let's get the money for ourselves. Pretty much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then I came to Melbourne and then I started listening to the Triple M radio show in the morning and Mick Malloy was on there then. With Tony 
No, not no, with, not with Martin. No. But I'd, I'd seen a bit of Martin and Mick previous, just on TV and in radio and that, you know. And I, I watched Degeneration and the Doug Anthony All Stars and 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 the uh, Steve Vizard, Vizard and Peter Moon stuff, which I always thought was fucking yeah, brilliant Vizard, back in the day. You Vizard know. was good, man. Fucking clever as. I still remember this one skit with a Peter Moon standing in a white coat with a hard hat on doing the sixty minutes thing. He's going, I'm standing here in a white coat yelling at you. It's fucking genius, yeah. <laughs> even if it's just a little thing. And so it became, this is a town of comedy. Melbourne is a town of comedy, yeah. you know? And I hadn't, and it suddenly was, it was, a, was an epiphany for me. There's comedy here and there's, and there's a festival, there's a comedy festival. I wonder if I can do it. I've always been pretty funny and I've led a very interesting life because I'm 53 by this stage. Mm. And I thought, I've led a very, very interesting life. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to, to show some of that life and get something back for having lived it, if you know what I mean. I was telling Nikki Barry I, uh, on my podcast, I really look forward to hearing um, Mature Racks because even the, it's nothing about age. It's all about someone who's lived yeah and you can draw from so much so many places so many fucking places exactly as opposed to a 20 year old in skinny jeans running up and down the stage with full of beans yeah right that's great too but they had to start there you're gonna go deep and you're gonna draw from a lot and i love that about comedy yeah it's never gonna get old for us man no no it's not you're gonna be a lot better in 10 years and even better 10 years after that if I'm alive, I will be better, but then Johnny. <laughs> that 50, makes me 78. 78. You'll be well, like George. What was that? George Burns or was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I could do that. I've hey. got a feeling you'll you'll still be running Gorilla. Oh, you're not going to give up. It's a huge chance. You, you're not going to give up. Yeah. And so I decided give it a crack. So I actually wrote this whole 20, 30-minute comedy thing. I, I made up a character. And wrote this whole story about this character. I had a shirt printed up and everything. And I was convinced this is going to be, I'm going to do Friday night stand-up. Saturday, I'm going to be in the way to America. Saturday night live. <laughs> Monday, the Times will say, what is this the, the world's funniest man? What was the character? His name was Yvonne Carlos, DLA. Who was he? A drug lord abroad. From Colombia? No, it was a mixture between Eastern European drug lords and Central American drug lords. That's okay. why I called him Yvonne Carlos. Okay. And DLA, which was drug lord abroad. So it was his holidaying around the world as a drug lord and the things he got up to. And, and that was a 30-minute... Yeah, I wrote the whole thing. You still have it? I've still got lots of it stuck in there sort of thing, you know. If you did it on stage tonight, would it work? No. <laughs> there was no, no pause. No. <laughs> so... so somebody... See how much wiser you are now as a stand-up? Oh, fuck yeah. You just can smell shit. And I shit. got wise immediately yeah because I, I tried to figure out where where can i where, where can i do this character what 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 can i do so i had a look i, I went on the yellow pages or the internet same thing <laughs> stand-up comedy learn stand-up comedy and i came up with the the workshop at north melbourne at the comics lounge oh yeah so i rang them and said can i come along and learn a bit of comedy? I said, yeah tuesday night come tuesday along. night 6 p.m 10 bucks yeah yeah that was the first time i saw you Ah, oh, was Fleming was, was Flemo running? Flemo was running it. Yeah. yeah, and you were one of the special guests. Yeah, he brought me on to just yeah. give a chat. Yeah, yeah. I remember what you're saying. I fucking never forget it. He said comedy's a fucking cunt. Who said that? You. Yeah. He said the comedy is a cunt. She's your best fucking friend and your worst fucking enemy in the same fucking breath. You can come home at night and think I hate that fucking bitch. I'll never talk to her again. But the next morning you're in love with her and you want to fucking treat her nice the next night. You know, and I'm thinking. Oh, that, that's beside the point. So, yeah, and then they that said, still rings true to me. <laughs> yeah, fucking know that it rings true now that I know more about comedy. Absolutely. You'll kill tonight, die tomorrow with yeah. the same material and exactly. wonder why, God. Yeah, yeah. Why did you do why? that to me, comedy? I've been good to you. Why would you do that to me? Yeah. So, I was. I went there a couple of times, and then they said, "All right, who's got two minutes?" You know, because they give you two minutes, on, and you get critiqued by the. It's at the comics peers. lounge. Yeah. Two thousand fifteen. Yeah, round about then. Yeah. And so I jumped up, it might be the, the end of 2015, yeah, it was the end of 2015. So I jumped up and did the first two minutes of my Yvonne Carlos set, you know, and they were just stood there and fucking looked at me. What was going through your head? Why isn't anyone laughing? What's wrong with these cunts? <laughs> <laughs> What's 
wrong with them? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I and, love it. And this girl came Slowly out. Slowly your ego starts <laughs> taking a belt. Yeah. So that was very avant-garde. I didn't even know what avant-garde meant. I had to fucking look that up on the yeah, internet. Yeah, I as had well. to look that up when yeah. someone called me avant-garde. Yeah, and I thought, oh yeah, fair enough. And then, so I went back the next week and tried a bit more. Got the same result. And Dougie Chapel pulled me aside and says, "Look," he said, "You, what you're trying to do, you can't fucking do. You need twenty years in the game before you can do that sort of shit. That's Just fucking good. Be words. up there and be a complete different individual." To promote yourself as a different person, people don't know what the fuck's going. You got to say hello. My name is Yvonne Carlos, and they look at you going, "Fucking no, you're not. You dickhead. You're not a fucking Yvonne Carlos. You're a white guy from fucking Moorabbin." <laughs> Fuck it, <laughs> you know. And so I learned a little bit about comedy just in that conversation about yeah. being yourself and and how you. And he said a lot of the stuff you've written is probably good as a joke, but just tell it as a joke. Mm. And so I lost heart then. I, I lost heart. I actually didn't do it again for another twelve months. <laughs> But I thought about it constantly. <laughs> I, it. I thought about it fucking constantly. Yeah. You know? And so I went back to the comments lounge the next year, about November again. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I've got a, a, a bit of a different idea of what comedy might be at this stage. You know, I've, I've come in open now. So I still like some of these jokes I've written. A couple of the jokes I wrote at that time I'm still using today. Yeah, great. You know? It's good. That's very good. And, That's uh, gold. That's gold. Yeah. That's what the definition of gold is. And Gabe Rossi was up there. He was doing the, the introduction thing, you know, the, the mentor. And he said, who's in Raw? And all these people stuck their hand up. I thought, what the fuck is Raw? So I fucking got straight on the phone. Raw, comedy contest, new open mic. I was like, oh, fucking beauty. I'll give that a crack. So I entered right there and then sitting there. I'm supposed to be listening to him, but I'm on my phone. Get an email back the next fucking morning, Wednesday, saying I've got a, I've got a heat on Saturday. Soon. This is the twenty first of January two thousand and seventeen. Okay, so uh, I go down. There's a little place in Frankston, used to called the Twelve Bar, and they used to do an open mic on a Wednesday night for musicians. And so I went in there and said, "Hey, do you, do you think I could do a little bit of comedy here at your open mic tonight?" I said, "I haven't done any." I said, "But I got this show on Saturday. I need to do it." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I wrote five minutes. Did it for them. Got a couple of laughs. I thought, oh, this will be okay. So I went to the show on Saturday at the Howler, the Heat of the Raw, 150 people. Nick Cody's the MC, you know. I thought, this is how I'll kill this. Oh. I'm going to win this straight up. I'm going to win Raw. Fucking beauty. And I got groans. I told some of the worst jokes. Now that I know, I know this, you know, but I didn't know then. And I had this really great joke that I thought about Facebook. I thought, you know, Facebook, I think they're ripping people off with the emojis, you know, because back then there was only a like. Mm. I said they should have a there, there button and a that's okay, dear button sort of thing, you know. So for when my daughter fucking sends me a message saying she's sick of a boyfriend's knobbly cock, I can go there, there, honey. And they went, ooh, all right, so maybe they don't want to hear about that. And I told another joke about the cat, about me growing up with the cat because I'm an only child and... I've told jokes about the cat. You've heard jokes about the cat, you know. And I say, and uh, I grew up with the cat. We were like brothers. I had a whole bit about that. And I said, and uh, my parents got us a clown for our seventh birthday, me and the cat. All his friends were there. I had no fucking friends there. And the clown, the clown's name was Pedo, Pedo the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd, the audience just went, oh. <laughs> And I went on with the joke. I said, Pedo's favourite game was hiding little chocolate blocks and doing as many pockets. Going, oh, no, little Paul, that's not a chocolate, but nice try. <laughs> and, and they're fucking, they're, they're just, they're losing it in the wrong fucking way, you know. And I turned around to Nick Cody. I said, my parents didn't fucking know. It's 1971. They're still trying to get over the breakup of the Beatles, for fuck's sake. And he just lost his shit right there and then. Hmm. And so it was obviously a disaster. You know, but the fact that I made him laugh mm. off, off a riff sort of gave me, I thought, all right, I've learnt now, don't tell those sorts of jokes, go away, work it a bit better, work it a bit better, you know, you don't want to, I'm starting to learn about wokeness and offending people and, and, and sensibilities about people's emotions and feelings and things you can say and things you can't say. Things you can say as a 50-year-old as opposed to things you can say as a 25-year-old. They're two totally different things. Well, I think the one of the most important things you just said was yeah, self, um, a, a realistic self-analysis. Yeah. And if you've got that, then 
you're on the way. You're on the true, way. True away. So it would I mean, have been I worse realized, if you kept those jokes. Oh, so, and so. I just ditched them straight away. I just looked at their reaction and all right, that's obviously not working in this scene. This isn't something that they're going to find funny. And they, they were funny enough, but they weren't actually funny when I when I break it down. Mm. You know? And I sort of worked out really, really early that I couldn't talk about sex on stage either because the young audience look at me like they just got their parents rooting. They don't want to fucking know. Yes. Which is fair enough. It is what it is. It is what it is. I need to. I need to to know that and run with it. You can talk about sex, but you have to find a way to approach it. And and, and it's a you can it's take not the, me. You can take the piss out of yourself yeah. trying yeah. to have sex, like throwing your back out or doing stuff and like doing easy jokes to get in before you talk about yeah. what you want to talk about. Yeah, but I still don't touch upon sex that much. I'd, I'd have a couple of little bits which I throw in. Usually when I'm emceeing, I've got a couple of little one-liners I can throw in. If somebody's been talking about Tinder or, or any of these apps and that, I've got a little bit that I can do. Fuck, I wish it was around when I was a kid. Rah, rah, rah. Mm. Little joke there, you know. Jokes about my wives and my ex-wives and other ladies that I've gone out with. And that sort of, but nothing actually in, nothing about the actual act or the physicality or the 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 cock or the balls or the tits or the puss or any of that sort of stuff you know if I start talking about that they don't want to know just fine I'm happy with that I, and I, I, I don't I haven't found a lot of that area funny anyway then it's good the wor- it'd be worse if you were if you wanted to talk about sex like quagmire and you just yeah. you can't so yeah. it's good you you don't want to open that door don't open no, it no no and that's just but and I'll use that line, you know. As soon as I talk about sex, the young people look at me like they just got their parents rooting. I'll use that line in the emceeing again. Yeah, that would work. That's you great. Know, just a one-liner, mm. and it's self-depreciating. And so they like that sort of stuff as well. I'm actually taking the piss out of myself, mm. and so they like that too. That's another thing that the audiences like. And and I have to be aware at my age, most of my audiences are between eighteen and thirty-five years old. Yeah. And so, and I've been fairly successful with those audiences. You have, you know, like absolutely stay gold and all that because I've I've textured my material to not be not who I am. It is who I am, but to suit their sensibilities as well. Because mm. that that's you know, if you don't have an audience, you're not a comedian. Mm. That's you know? exactly right. If people aren't there laughing, then you're not doing the job. And so, whatever it is they need to be able to laugh at, you have to be able to deliver to them. Within, and I've had a saying from the very first day I did comedy, I don't mind telling people what they want to hear as long as it's what I want to say. Yeah. You know, and I stick by that. Absolutely. You know. I love it, Paulie. Where can we see you? Where can we see you? Can see me now. I'm, I'm sitting opposite you on the t- table. I do Gorilla every Wednesday night. Yeah, that's a. Resistance Bar? Resistance Bar at Hawthorne. What what station is it? Is it Hawthorne it's Station? Glen Ferry Station. Glen Ferry Station. Glen Ferry Station. It runs every Wednesday. Every Wednesday from 8 o'clock. And it's pro acts and new acts yep. coming down, trying out stuff in yep. a basement style. Yep. It's a wonderful little room. And I give everyone a chance. I mean, I'll, I'll, I've, got some, I've got Tom Ballard on tonight. He's an international Australian well-known act. And right before him is a guy that's probably done 30 gigs. There you go. Wonderful. You know, and it's good for the guy that's done 30 gigs. He's pumped. Fuck it. I'm on the stage. I've got my name on the poster. I'm, I'm, I'm performing with, with Andrew Portelli and Tom Ballard. And that's great. Fucking, it's a live audience. And a lot of the time, they, they spend so much of their time telling jokes to other comics and open mics and that they actually don't get an indication of whether or not their stuff is working. But you put them in front of a live audience, 20 punters, they know by the end of their set what's working and what's not. And they can go away with that, work on it. Absolutely. Maybe take confidence from it. Yeah. Paulie, thanks for coming in, man. I really appreciate it. No problems at all. Thanks, brother.